Welcome back to the fellow cast. We are doing a bring your own Bible session again today and we are following on it's still in Genesis chapter 14 we are today. So thank you God for your time and we're looking forward to jump into this chapter. You said we were starting off with a, a battle or there's a battle involved it's a in this one. It's a massive battle man. Yeah it's a massive battle. In fact the first great great battle in scripture because we're going to see many of them in Joshua and Judges yeah. and the kings and so on. Um, so where we are at the moment, Lot has settled down uh, in the city of Sodom. Mm. And uh, so that's just under the Dead Sea where we have it now, um, uh, close to Petra today. And Abraham has settled down sort of in the middle of Canaan, um, close to Hebron, which is in that mountain region um, near Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So they're not very far from one another, but they don't seem to have contact with one another very mm. often. Uh, they don't have emails and WhatsApps <laughs> and stuff. Maybe smoke signals. <laughs> or podcasts, <laughs> eh? Yeah. Um, and uh, there's this battle going on around the territory of Canaan um, on both sides of the Jordan River. The kings, uh, and it's for several years, it comes down to about 14 years that this battle have raged. There's this particular king, Kedar Laomar, who's a key figure in Say this that whole again? thing. <laughs> no, 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 because the second time I'll slip over it. <laughs> that was good. I'm just <laughs> reading it, yeah, and it sounded exactly like what I'm reading it. <laughs> Is it convincing? Kedar, Kedor la ome. <laughs> so after 14 years of this battle back and forth and back and forth, finally the, um, the group of kings gang together, and it's mm. groups of kings. You need to hear how big this thing is. It's four kings against five kings and whatever. Sure. They group together for these big epic battles. And in the midst of all of this, then are the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And finally, um, it comes to a climax where they are captured by these other kings. And literally, the details of it, all the food in the cities are taken all the people in the city, all their possessions are taken. So these guys are literally raiding cities mm. and taking it all with them. Um, and then where Abraham gets into the story, one of the people in this battle at the city escapes because Lot and his two daughters and his wife is also taken. And all their possessions, everything they own um, is taken. So one of these servants, it sounds like, uh, escapes and then runs off to Abraham, obviously knowing, listen, he's related. Maybe he can help. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can get an army together to rescue Lot and whoever else. Um and Abram's response is, he gets together, listen to this, the 318 trained men who were born in his house. Sure. So, so just a bit of an idea of how wealthy this guy is now. He's still staying in tents. He doesn't have a city or a something. He, he doesn't own a piece of land yet anywhere. Yeah. And yet he's got so many servants that... Out of all those servants, there are 318 trained men. Incredible. So he's actually a prepared guy. Yeah. These guys Quite an are operation re- that he's running. Yes. That we don't know of. Ready for battle. Yeah. Yeah, because we can easily, I mean, in the Bible pictures, we see this little tent with yeah. Sarah and Abraham. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a wealthy yeah. man who's, who's got a lot. Running a sustainable a tribe, so yes, to speak, yes, which yeah. would have, including uh, military and those kinds of uh, yeah elements. Yeah, no, it's powerful. So here he goes off with these 318 men. Um, and I'm, I keep emphasizing that because it's interesting that we know the story of Gideon so well. Mm. Um, because what, what was that movie? 
uh, couple 300. of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it came up again, just yeah. uh, this reminder of this man with this incredible faith. But here's Abraham going off to battle against four kings with his 318 men. Uh, I mean, those that's thousands of people. Mm. It's four cities with the territory surrounding them that he's going to face up with his... Um, seems like he's got his faith back again. Yes, it would <laughs> certainly seem so. And listen, he's not... He could just have stayed out of it. Mm. But he's going because that's my cousin. That's nephew. my brother's son. Le- nephew. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I got it wrong so many times already. Um, and then very much like the Battle of Gideon, uh, he chases them all the way uh, to north of Damascus. So just to give you an idea, if he was in the Kruger National Park, the battle started off at the bottom with Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, and they raced, took these guys all the way to the top out of the Kruger National Park, wow. out of the north. I mean, um, it's a heck of a race yeah. that he's running. And he catches up with them there. And then at night, just like Gideon, he divides his men and he starts the battle. And God gives him the victory. Sure. So much so that he leaves the battlefield with not one person that was taken into captivity have lost their life or have been lost somewhere in this massive epic battle. Yeah. And he comes back with all the possessions, with absolutely everything that these guys have taken. Nothing has been lost. And then there's this, there's this very interesting encounter that Abraham has when he comes back. As he comes back, um, two people come out to meet him. Um, and maybe we must try and find the link to the sermon that Rob has preached on this. Okay. Uh, it was incredibly well done. There's such a lesson in this. The two people that come to meet him is Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is the king and high priest of Salem. Salem being peace. Yes. So it sounds like most people will say this was the king of the city called Jerusalem later on. So this would be close to where Abraham actually stays. Mm. He would be close to Melchizedek, um, where he had his tents. And then the second guy that comes out to meet him with Melchizedek is the king of Sodom. And from what we know about Sodom, and we're going to read in a couple of chapters' time, this is an incredibly ungodly man of a very ungodly city. Yeah. In contrast, Melchizedek, Melchizedek, Melchizedek not so good, eh? Third time lucky. <laughs> yeah. Melchizedek is a high priest, and the way that he conducts himself uh, would show us that this is a godly man. Mm. It even seems like he knows the God that Abraham worships. And again, listen, there's very little detail. And because the, of that very little detail, Melchizedek is later mentioned in the book of Hebrews yeah. as this guy who just appears on the scene and leaves again. Mm. So we mustn't give ourselves too much scope to <laughs> design a character and a story around him because the scriptures just don't yeah. tell us. It is mysterious. It is. It is, yeah. And he's likened onto Jesus in the book of yeah. um, Hebrews, Hebrews, not because of his character or anything that he's done or whatever. It's simply because it's this image that appears. Mm. Um, it's never said that he actually is the Lord Jesus in flesh or anything yeah. like that. It seems like he's a, a king of the time in space and time. Yeah. But what the encounter shows us then is um, Melchizedek comes and he comes out with bread and wine. 
which we then see in the New Testament as this scripture uh, of this symbol of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Mm. Over here in this incident, it's not that. Not at all. Because the it hasn't had that um, the revelation yeah. yet. It's never been used like that. But in that moment, what does it show of the man? He comes just with hospitality and to bless Abraham mm. and, and just recognize the Lord has worked through you, Abraham. Uh, we bless you in the name of God. And in response, Abraham gives a tenth of everything to Melchizedek. Um, in contrast, Sodom comes, the king of Sodom, and he says, um, listen, just give me the people and you take all the possessions. Now, this is a lot of raid. These guys have been stealing as they've been going along. So in the least, what Aram is sitting with here is the possessions of two cities. All right? It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Abram's response is, no, thank you. I will not take anything from you, king of Sodom, lest you would be able to say that I made Abraham rich. Mm. In fact, he, he uses an image. He says, I will not even take a shoelace from anything that belongs to you. And it seems a bit harsh. It really sounds like Abraham is telling him, I, I don't want anything to do with you. Thank you very much. Sure. <laughs> um, so in contrast to Melchizedek, yeah. who that just comes with his wine and bread and has a meal and blesses him. In response to that, he says, yeah, I want to receive a blessing. I'll give a tenth to you. Mm. I'll actually give to you. you know. Um, but when Sodom offers him stuff, he says, I don't want anything from you. Yeah. You know? Um, interesting moment. Yeah. Wise moment. Yeah. And again, please go and listen to Rob's sermon about this because he just uses this as an image of how do we deal with uh, the wealth of the world? What mm. do we see as blessing? Yeah. And um, how do we deal with earthly possessions? Yeah. It seems very much in this moment from wha how I'm hearing it is like, like Abram is kind of, his, his backbone is strengthened. Um, after yes. having these defeats or these you know, difficult moments with yeah. giving his wife away and all of that, where he suddenly he's like taking a stand for this is God, what God has said. I, I don't need the help of the world or another king. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, like you said, Melchizedek representing God mm. and then um, Sodom, we know what it represents. Mammon. Sin and mammon yeah. and, and what the world offers. Yes. Yeah. So it is a it is a defining moment. It is very much, yeah. And it's going to lead into the next chapter um, when God actually gives a fresh revelation to Abraham. Mm. It says, um, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And the Lord says, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. Um, I think it's very much connected to what happened at this moment that the Lord says, you don't have to worry. Mm. You know, you go out to battle. You do what you need to do. I'm your shield. I mean, in other words, I'll protect you and I'm your reward. I'll look out for you. Abraham's response to God, though, is this honest moment that he says to the Lord, but Lord, what will you give me since I don't have any descendants? Mm. He's reminding God. He says, listen, you've given me this promise, but I'm not seeing anything of it yet. Um, and then he actually says, listen, uh, my... The guy who's going to inherit my estate is a man called Eliezer of Damascus. Um, so we don't know exactly what the relation is there, how it worked. But it just means that nobody in his house, he doesn't have any descendants to leave his inheritance to. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
to that, the Lord then comes and he, he brings a covenant to him. He says, no, your children, your, your descendants will inherit this land. And um, I will actually give you a sign of that. Um, it's this incredible meeting with the Lord. The Lord says to him, I want you to go and get a heifer. A heifer how do you pronounce it? Heifer. Heifer. Yeah. And a goat and a ram. Each one of these must be three years old. Um, and with that, get a dove and a young pigeon. All these animals. And uh, it seems like the, the clever guys would say, this is a, a sure way to make a blood covenant in those times. So Abraham took all of these animals, split every one of them half, and laid them out on the ground on a piece of rock, um, the two halves opposite one another with sort of a pathway in the middle. And what the covenant would look like is if me and you want to enter into a, a promise, and I really want to bind this promise, it's a demonstration that we're going to walk through these halves together, mm. me and you, and I will tell you, if I break my promise, may I be like these animals on the ground, sure. split in half. And you would say the same. If I break my promise, then and that's the sign of the covenant. Mm. People will look at this and say, all right, they're pledging their lives on this promise. Sure. So the Lord actually says to him, oh, listen, I've made you a promise, but in order to assure your heart, let me make you a promise in the way that you guys would do it. <laughs> it's, it's a strange covenant because God is about to say, I pledge my life. <laughs> the eternal God yeah. says, may I die if I don't see through this promise yeah wow <laughs> and then it's this it's this strange encounter with the lord i wish i wish i could sort of get a clearer picture of what happened that moment because as these pieces were lying on the ground um it says the sun was setting and as the sun is setting uh, birds of prey came down and they wanted to take the pieces uh, that were lying on the ground and abraham was chasing them off and then as the sun was setting, um, he fell into a sleep. And it says, a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Mm. Oh, wow, what's happening in that moment? Eh? I, I, I sort of, in my imagination, I'm thinking he put it out, just as the Lord says, and time is going a couple of hours and nothing's happening. Mm. It's like, Lord... I've waited for you to come and fulfill your promise because he knows the sign of what he's busy with over here. Yeah. He understands the culture of his time and what this represents, what the Lord wants to do. But the Lord doesn't show up. So in in my looking at it is as if it affirms in his heart, listen, I'm waiting and I'm waiting for the fulfillment of your promise, but you don't show up to yeah. do it. And then at that moment where he's sleeping and this thick and dreadful darkness is on him, um, suddenly the Lord speaks to him. Uh, let me read that for us. Verse 13. It says, um, oh, I've got my page open here on the long press. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. We all know what that is speaking about. Yeah. Now, it's think not a about nice it. promise to get. But at that moment, I mean, think about the the, the knowledge of the Lord. Yeah, he, he's speaking to a guy who doesn't even have a kid yet, and yeah. he's saying your descendants 
will be strangers in a land not their own. I mean, the detail to what she's calling, thats this is the time that Moses will come out of. Yeah. Uh, the time of slavery in Egypt. He says, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. I mean, the detail again. And afterwards, they will c come out with great possessions. Remember at the end when the Exodus, when they finally leave, the Egyptians gave them wealth. Yeah. And they were told by, by Moses, go and ask them for gifts. So they left with everything that they built the tabernacle from. All the gold, all yeah. that material, all this precious wood. They left Most Egypt given with it. Them. But the Lord is already saying it. Sorry, I'm getting carried away. No, this is too. awesome. I'm enjoying it. Verse 15, he says, You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In other words, you're not going to see these things. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full. And just to say, I mean, it's needless to say it, but exactly four generations from Jacob's children going into the land to Moses being born out of the family of Levi. Four generations exactly. Moses walks out with his generation. Mm. Yeah. And when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, this funny picture, uh, a fire pot with a blazing torch uh, moved between the pieces. So I don't know why exactly that image, yeah. but it's like the Lord says, I receive the sacrifice is mm. what I see in it. Uh, but it's a picture of God somehow moving through these pieces. In other words, I've made you this promise, Abraham. Uh, I don't even ask you to walk through the pieces. I'll walk through it, and I say, on my life, the eternal God, I will keep this promise. Hmm. It is challenging. Yes. <laughs> and I, I often get stuck on Hebrews 11 when you read those heroes of the faith, yes. which includes him, yeah. obviously, where they never got to see that which was promised, yeah. but the promise is fulfilled. And I, I often I often think of what is our role? Mm. Uh, what what would future generations r read about us or say about us yes. and our faith? Yeah. And and because I think um, I, but even personally, sometimes we're just so selfish in the promise. You know, this is the promise for my life, and it is. Mm. But to have a bigger vision and to go, it's for more than just yourself. It's it's laying a path for those to come. Um, it's setting something in motion for those to come which will sustain their faith. Because yeah. when I read about Abram, it still shoots some faith into my veins. Yes. It still does something to me to go, man, look at this guy. Yeah. And he didn't even get to see what he was promised. Well, not all of it at least. No. Yeah. Um, a and very he, small he, portion of it. Exactly. And he had to yeah. stick it out way longer than what, what we get to stick it out for. Absolutely. I mean, we don't even reach 100 years. He, yeah. he only had a child at, a, what was it, yeah. 100 and something. His wife was 90. But, well, we're going to see in the next chapter now one of the warning signs out of that from getting a promise and then trying to make it happen yeah. yourself, right? That's where we're going. But when you speak about that kind of faith, my, my question to us is, listen, can I trust God for promises beyond my own generation? Yeah. Do I have that kind of faith? Or will I only trust God for things that I know I can see in my mm. life? Um, because even in our church, God has made great promises. Listen, in our city and in our country, God has said we will be a light up in Africa. Yeah, um, We will see a fire revival across this land. And this has been spoken for years already, yeah. right? Uh, will I still keep trusting if one day... I'm on my deathbed and close my eyes. Will I still say, Lord, I know you're going to do this. Mm. 
uh, my kids will see it or my grandkids will see yeah. it. You will do what you've said. Amen. Um, and then act in accordance to that faith. Live close to the Lord. Live according to what he says. Mm. And do the small steps that I need to do. Those steps that Abraham was told, go walk through the land. Yeah. You don't have it yet, but go walk through it. This is your part. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Th so let's just quickly jump into Hagar because I think it needs to follow directly after this in encounter with the Lord. Um, so Abraham's wife, Sarah, he had a slave, Hagar. And um, close after this encounter, she comes and says to Abraham, listen, um, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not, I cannot bear you children. So here's my slave, Hagar, an Egyptian girl. You take her as your wife so that through her, I can have children. Is this what the Lord said? Not at all. No. It was very clearly your wife. It, and the Lord didn't even have to say that. Let's just clarify that for all of us, all right? Um, it's very clear in Scripture that a man is to have one wife. Mm. And never in Scripture does God ever give a tick to saying you can have multiple wives. Yeah. Polygamy is never justified. Just because Abraham uh, have then now numerous and Jacob the man called Israel eventually <laughs> had the 12 tribes born out of four different women. Mm. Never in scripture does God say it's a good idea yeah. because in every one of those stories, there's hurt and we're going to see it now. They're about to open up a generational curse in the family that's going to sweep through this family yeah. for the next generations yeah. to come. This is this happening right here is going to open the door for Joseph um, to be chucked into a pit and sold as a slave by his brothers. Yeah. Uh, you'll see the lines clearly from here on out. But Abraham, just having had this incredible faith encounter with the Lord, this great revelation and this promises, he says, all right, seems like a good idea. Yeah. Again, he's not a superhero, right? This is a man of faith with real flaws. Mm. And in this moment, he gives in. Um, and listen, can I verstoot myself to say Hagar was younger, maybe pretty. Yeah. Um, he's a man, yeah. and it seems like a good idea. Yeah. Very quickly, though, she falls pregnant, and as soon as she falls pregnant, jealousy enters in. Sarah looks at the slave and says to Abraham, uh, this woman despises me because obviously it's clear now it's I'm not fruitful. It's not my husband, seed, that's the problem. Hmm. It's me. And um, so Abraham says, listen, she's in your hands. Th this is your slave. He distances himself out of this thing. Yeah. Uh, he seems extremely passive, both with the receiving and response to this. Yeah. And Sarah then mistreats the slave to the point that she actually runs away. And she heads back to Egypt. Um, into that place called Shur. Now, this is to me the most beautiful, beautiful part of the story. And this is the first of two incredible encounters that Hagar, the slave Egyptian girl, will have with the Lord. And I want to emphasize this because so quickly we look at the main characters, but we miss that the Lord is very much interested and mm. very loving towards every character in the story. So verse 9, she's running away from the Lord. She's alone in a desert. Um, on the way to her family to get some security. She's just been mistreated, not just by Sarah, but by Abraham, yeah. who took her as a wife and then abandoned her to the mistreatment of his wife. Yeah. 
Um, and at that moment when she's pregnant, she's alone in a desert at a, at a spring, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to her. Um, and he said to her, uh, where, where are you and where are you going? And she says, I'm Hagar, the servant of Sarai. Uh, where, have you, uh, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress. Verse 9, the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. That's a difficult thing that the Lord yeah. is asking of her. Hey? Um, because she is mistreated. Mm. He doesn't deny that. And the angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. Now, that sounds like the promise given to Abraham. Yeah. It's the same promise he's giving to the slave woman personally to her. Up until this point, we haven't seen that the Lord has actually spoken to Sarai about the promise given to Abraham. Yeah. But now the slave girl gets the promise directly from the angel of the Lord. Um, and then the angel of the Lord said to her, you are now with child. You will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael. Sounds very much to, hey, Mary, yeah. you will be with child. You have <laughs> very mm -hmm. personal to the name. Uh, for the Lord has heard of your misery, and he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. She had this encounter with the Lord. She gives him a name. She says, you are the God who sees me. How beautiful is that? Yeah. Eh? Now, we'll get back to this revelation of what kind of a person Ishmael will be and how that lived out. But let's just hang on that for a moment. Eh? Here's a slave alone in a desert, mistreated, and the Lord himself appears to her. and says, I see you. I see you, all right. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's again. I'm I'm struck by the promise that's given. You know, it's almost like a. It's not a real something to look forward to kind yeah, of promise. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. But it, in even through that, she recognizes that God sees her. Mm. Um, and and again, like you said earlier in the in the previous um, episode, that it reveals some of the character of who God is. We're getting more and more to know who God is through these yeah. stories. Yeah. D listen, can I go back to that promise then? Eh? Because it, honestly, it looks like a curse, yeah. doesn't it? It doesn't look like a beautiful thing. But let's just jump forward in the story. Here's Hagar. Even before the boy is born, he's already rejected by his dad yeah. and by the mistress. What would she be towards him? Aunt or something. Yeah. Um, She's let go. Uh, she's pregnant with Abraham's child, and he's willing to, okay, all right, do yeah. with her what you want. Uh, what kind of a curse does the father speak unto the child? Yeah. Then Ishmael is born. Later, the Lord will actually, uh, Abraham will plead with the Lord and says, if only this son, Ishmael, will also live in your eyes, Lord, because the Lord is still speaking about the child that's going to be born out of Sarai. Hmm. The Lord says, to him we're going to read it in our next session but he says listen I, I see him and I will bless him and I will make him a great nation so from the Lord's part he's speaking blessing over the boy Yeah. but finally when Sarah then has a child Isaac she then says to Abram get rid of this slave and her son and Abram sends away Hagar with just a bag of water and food on her back no servants, no treasure, nothing. 
Mm-hmm. You speak about what do you call it, custody agreements and stuff. Yeah. Nothing of that. He doesn't take care of her at all. He sends her away alone with her son yeah. into a desert. And the boy nearly dies. And the Lord appears again. So I believe this is a prophecy over the boy, not because it's the Lord's plan for him. Yeah. But because the Lord the, the boy's dad seriously, seriously cursed his yeah. son. He yeah. didn't take care. Eventually, when Abraham sends, uh, he's going to marry again when Sarah dies uh, with a girl called Keturah, and then he has several sons. At that time, he sends away every one of those sons with the moms, with gifts and with treasures, with blessing. He sends them away. Ishmael is never treated in that way. Sure. So I believe the response over here is what can happen in any family today. Mm. It's, it's not the Lord's will, but it's the dad that's going to mistreat. Sure. That's powerful. Yeah. And it just shows, again, the, the part that we get to play yes. in these stories, in our own stories, so to speak. Yeah. It, even though God's plans are good, we, get, we can mess it up yes. with our sin, but yet God still shows grace and mercy. His plans doesn't change. Yeah. But it's especially what you said as a father, that, that blessing or that curse, yeah. and we see it later again, or we, earlier with Jacob and, and uh, or later with Jacob and... Yeah. And with Esau, Esau yeah. where, where there's this, one is blessed and one is not. Yeah. Um, so definitely something to, to speak about in, in, the, in that sense. Mm. Yeah. And again, just to maybe close off the session, um, this is the door to jealousy opening in this family. Yeah. And Abraham willfully opened that door, not knowing that the destruction from this is going to lead in the next generation to a Jacob and to Esau that is not loved, yeah. just like Ishmael and Isaac, the one is loved, the other one is not. Yeah. And then again to a Joseph that is loved because Rachel is the favorite daughter, uh, the favorite wife, and the others get jealous. So it's a door sure. opening into a family, and it's just becoming more rough and more rough in the next generation yeah. until Joseph, I believe, finally closed the door with his response to his brothers. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Really powerful stuff. Mm. I'm, I mean, really enjoying this, and it's it's giving great perspective, um, and 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 it's amazing to me how what you are speaking about from thousands of years ago in the scriptures are so relevant still Absolutely. to us today. It's our stories, exactly, yeah. and the decisions we make, and and the part that we get to play yeah. in God's plans for our lives. So thanks again, Garth. Uh, I'm looking really, really looking forward to the next one. Thanks, Valdu. Well,